time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Hey, good morning, John Hancock. How are you, pal? Top of the morning, all is well. The governor of the state of Missouri will be in downtown St. Louis, and uh, what, at 11 o'clock today, he will announce who he has chosen to replace our circuit attorney. Yeah. Uh, This hopefully is the start of the clawback of uh, at least the prosecutorial side of crime in the St. Louis area. Hope so. And uh, was I hearing correctly earlier that you were uh, complimenting Governor Parson? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's very narrow as it relates to the circuit attorney. But then again, when you're the only person who can help fix a complete S show... Um, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, if you go in, you do your job, that's what the governor's done. I think he's handled this pretty well. Now, I, you know, I've got a million things I can tell you that I don't care much about the governor for, including wasting six months of our time at that legislative session. But as it relates to this, I think he's done a good job. I'm looking forward to hearing who he's chosen. And I, uh, wish Godspeed to the person who's going to have to take this, uh, mess over. So a lot of names floating around out there, and the one that seems to be emergent right now is a local attorney uh, at the Dowd Bennett Law Firm, a fellow named Gabe Gore, somebody that a lot of folks may not be familiar with, a very talented, very gifted attorney. He was part of the team that defended Eric Greitens, ironically, yep. uh, at Dowd Bennett. He also was uh, a part of the team that sued the L.A. Rams and Stan Kroenke and won. He was, and he's a very talented attorney, if, if in fact that ends up being the, the case. But a lot of other names out there as well, a couple of judges. Judges, some political types, some new folks have thrown their names into the thing. You know, and a lot of people, you know, especially in liberal Twitter world here in the city of St. Louis, have been mocking some of these folks who have submitted their names and I have to tell you, every one of them who submitted their names, I think they're noble. And they're noble in the sense that they are going into a position that they know is a complete disaster. And they're doing it from what I believe is from a perspective of, hey, I want to make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, I do not envy uh, the person who walks into this office. It's been decimated. So many of the attorneys there have left. Now, maybe some might come back. Uh, who have recently resigned? That would be a, a benefit, I think. Uh, and and I hope that th- who whomever gets this appointment, I hope they're able to put a team together uh, relatively quickly. The backlog of cases over there is just astronomical, and it, it's going to be some months, uh, a number of months, I think, before you get back to some situation, some semblance of a normal operating circuit attorney's office. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, John, as a, I'm a broken record here on KMOX constantly talking about how I think a lot of the progressive thought processes are problematic. But I'm hopeful that the voters in the city of St. Louis will take a more scrupulous eye to these candidates who are running with very large ideas, noble ideas of wanting to solve poverty and homelessness uh, but are neglecting and potentially because they've got their eyes on these larger social issues are neglecting the very reasons they're elected, which is to do basic government services. And I think that this is a po- case in point of exactly that playing out. And, you know, I read the polling. I see the elections. I'm telling you, this progressive thought process and wanting to solve these global issues is what's driving voters in the city of St. Louis while the place is sinking. Well, it's driving the voters who show up. And, you know, what one of the things of the many things that plague our city here is that the voters have seemingly given up. They're just not showing up at election time. And because of that, these folks that have this progressive worldview have got a disproportionate role in the electorate. And it's not been helpful. You know, I understand the desire to, you know, not throw the book at nonviolent offenders, for example. True. Uh, you know. I don't know how much of that actually goes on anymore anyway, but I, I do understand that that mindset. But to let folks that are guilty of armed criminal action, homicide, uh, to, to let them walk right. uh, or to give them a second chance in some cases is just misguided and it's dangerous, and it you know ultimately it's going to get somebody killed. And to use the the idea that you are wanting to um, not see nonviolent offenders have the book thrown at them as justification for why somebody has been incompetent. Yeah. And the most heinous crimes that happen to human beings, which is murder, 
You know, I mean, it just makes no sense. I'm hopeful that we are going to, you know, and I, I don't think this is something we're witnessing both on, on the Democratic side. It could potentially happen on the Republican side as well. We're voting on identity issues or very specific extremist thought processes, censorship in libraries or, you know, wanting to solve, uh, you know, homeless issues that have existed since the time of man. I'm hopeful that some common sense candidates are going to emerge over the next couple of years, and we're going to see if the voters are paying attention and are going to get back involved in the game. Well, and ultimately it is the voters that are going to determine what kind of politics are produced because uh, American politics is a marketplace event. The market dictates the kind of candidates that are going to prevail in primaries. You know, I I would hope that more and more people would participate in the primary process because that's where we choose the people that everybody votes on in November and it's not happening. So we're going to have an opportunity to visit with a legend of KMOX in her final uh, couple of days here on the air. Carol Daniels is going to join us after this. Now, Carol's favorite moment. Sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck. The sign you have the very best. ChesterfieldFence.com. And welcome back to KMOX. You know, John, the word legend gets abused in many places. A lot of abuse going on out there. But when it comes to St. Louis and KMOX... Uh, you know, we, we had to deal with the departure of Charlie Brennan and that yep. was tearful. And for me, it was like, well, thank God we still have the Kevin Colleen and Carol Daniels. Carol of the Daniel. World. There she is. Uh, she's been here. I remember listening to those broadcasts back in the fifties and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which would make you as old as me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm we're pretty close. So <laughs> wait a minute. We are close, aren't we? Yes. Uh, but the Chesterfield. Are you Fitz getting ready to retire too? Is, uh, my retirement's going to be at Pope <laughs> Chapel. So, uh, <laughs> so Carol Daniel, uh, sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck. We're talking about your top five memories and you have one for us today. I do, and I hate to start out um, on a sad note, but this is the top five, and I do have a top ten, and it was very hard, as you might imagine, working someplace for 28 years to come up with just five top moments. That's impossible. Yeah, you would think. Not to mention the fact that I don't remember everything. (laughs) That has happened here in 28 years. And I would imagine most of your moments probably aren't error um, appropriate because uh, they may have happened in the back uh, office. Well, there I wouldn't say that they are inappropriate, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but everybody who works in a workplace, things are said and things happen sure. that you don't necessarily want to talk about publicly, who you may want have wanted to kill at any <laughs> point in time. You yeah. don't necessarily want to put that in your top five, but... When I start this top five moment, I have to talk about loss. Okay. Loss that really, one loss really shaped me. Uh, The other loss, they both hurt. But when Nan Wyatt was killed Mm -hmm. and then when Brett Bloom died, those two things really shaped me. And I will explain. When Nan Wyatt was killed, I was home that evening and my brother called me to say, are you hearing this? And I said, hearing what? And that Nan White had been killed. And so the next week, we came into work, those of us who were here at that time. They brought in, as you hear all the time, every time I hear this phrase, counselors will, will be yeah. made available. That happened here. They made a, a therapist available to us. And I remember going in to talk to her. And she said to me, I don't know what she said to everybody else, but she said to me that you're going to want to make sense of it. You're a reporter. You're an anchor. You're going to want to know why. You're going to want answers to your questions, and you're not going to get them. And so you cannot think that that's the way to your healing is through those answers because you're just not going to get them. You're never going to understand why why he killed her. You're never going to understand. So don't do that. Just think about her as a person. Think about the experiences you had with her as as a coworker, as a colleague. Don't worry about the questions. Brett's death was unexpected and seemingly quick. And there's a part of me, and I know his wife feels the same way, we're mad at him. We're mad that you're gone. Mm. It, it, it didn't have to be this way. You should still be here doodling. You should still be here telling us jokes. 
you should still be here leaving every day and not saying goodbye. <laughs> because Brett would leave every day and you would see the back of his head and he's gone. Hmm. He would leave every day just like that. And you knew you'd see him the next day, though. And so I, when Nan died, I was sitting at the funeral in the uh, cathedral, in the chapel. I, don't, I can't remember the name of the church. And everybody was talking about what a great reporter she was, yeah. and she asked great questions. Were you there? No. You weren't there. Okay, you're saying yes. I thought you might have been there, and I'm oh. like, I didn't see you. <laughs> um, what great questions she asked. And, and I was sitting there, you guys, and I remember getting angry. Because the Nan that I knew, our sons were born a week apart. Her son's birthday is February 14th. My son's birthday is February 19th. They're the same age. They're, he's, Drake is now 27. PJ is 27. Wow. They were born a week apart. She came back to St. Louis from Chicago, as you might remember, mm-hmm. to be the Morning Drive co-host, Total Information AM co-host. She had just had Drake not a couple of years earlier. And so we talked about our children all the time. We talked about being mothers and how hard it was and the things we didn't know and the things we wanted to know. We talked about parenting. I never talked to her about how do you get the best question? How do you ask the toughest question? How do you? We never talked about those things. We talked about our lives as, as, as even as older mothers because we were that. And we weren't 22 and having kids. You know, we were in our 30s having children. And we were professionals and we were in workplaces that were high stress, you know, that, that were difficult. And we were mothers. And so that made it all different. We were high profile people as mothers. And that made it different. And that's what we talked about. And so at her service, no one talked about her as a mom, someone who didn't expect to be a mother. And I remember getting so angry. And I came home that day and I told Patrick, when I die, if I die before you, I always make that joke. <laughs> Who knows? Women live longer than men. I always make that joke with my husband. Um, When I pass away, don't mention, you don't even have to mention KMOX. Because this is what I do. This is not who I am, Mm. I said to him. So tell them what kind of mother I was. Tell them what kind of wife I was. Well, maybe not completely. But (laughs) (laughs) tell them what kind of friend I was. Don't talk about the news anchor, the speaker, the columnist. Those are things that that I do. It's not who I am as a woman at the heart and soul of me. And I remember I changed my bio a week later, my professional bio. So the first line of my bio now reads, she is first and foremost, a wife and mother. That line was changed because of Nan Wyatt's death and Nan Wyatt's funeral. So that is, that's one of my greatest memories because it, it, it top five. If if I have to do top five (laughs) and I do, uh, because it changed the way that I thought of myself and the way I thought of this job. And I have a picture of my husband, had a picture of my husband and my sons on my desk always to remind me of who I am mm. and that this is what I do. Now, I, I love what I do and I, and I believe I'm good at what I do, but it's not who I am. And I implore everybody and especially, you know, the men in my life to not get caught up in what you do. You have to be that human being, that person first. And then the thing that you do, it, it makes you a living, it makes a career, but it's not who you are. So though, though Nan's death and Brett's death, the loss of someone who I, should still be with us, yeah. if he had, I, I will say this, um, things happen and, and we don't take care of ourselves and, and we put things off mm-hmm. and we just shouldn't put things off. Um, so th- those two, that, that's the kickoff of these top five moments Amen to all of that. Uh, Brought to you by Chesterfield Fence and Deck. Carol Daniel, it's uh, less than a week left. How long have you been contemplating uh, retirement? Oh, how long have I been here? 28 years? (laughs) (laughs) Probably five. And and five because my husband is the one who started talking about we need to think about retirement, which, you know, retirement, you have to start, you should start planning. Like, where where are we going to live? What? You know, we, we're going to sell this house. What are we going to do? And so that was it was his conversation. I, w- I had the Bob Hamilton train of, of thinking that I will stay here until the voice holds out. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Uh, and then my parents got ill. My mother right. got sick, especially. Uh, and then my father as her caregiver, um, I use the phrase caregiving kills. 
Um, my father got ill because he was her caregiver and he wasn't taking care of himself. He, he, he just wasn't because it's hard. Yeah. And so that really started the, the thought process. So this is probably the last time we'll get to be on air with you. Yeah. So I want to say two things to you. One. Um, number one is uh, I will never forget that that first time I met you, it was in Forest Park. Uh, it was for the Balloon Fest. Uh, yeah. You were under a tent. And a friend of mine who was involved in the media took me up to meet Carol Daniel. And, Carol, my entire adult life, I have listened to you on KMOX. I still pinch myself when I come here and I'm a part of this place. And you're one of the main reasons that I personally have such great aspiration for this place. You are such a great human being, and I am so grateful that I've had the opportunity to meet you. Thank you. Yeah, what, what was the second thing? What was the second one? That was it. I, oh, I met her oh. there, and then I... And then oh, and then working. Okay. So con- were we all counting? We were like, one, that's one. Oh, well, that, but I will never forget the first time I met you. I was like, I'm meeting the lady I listened to my whole life. And you really have been a staple of my life. I How old am I? How old I mean, are you? I, my adult life. I mean, okay. when I was a kid, right. I wouldn't listen to Cam once. I, I had a life. Now, my buddy, on the other hand, he's Thank been you. listening since he was three. I have. I have. Thank and, you, Michael. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, it, it, it has been an honor to work alongside Carol Daniel. And we. I'm one of my favorite memories is the day that you and I got to host a show together. One time. And, one time. And uh, it was it was delightful. Uh, it was Michael apparently was on a trip. Yeah. Uh, but Go figure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's just an honor to have worked with you and to have learned from you. And uh, Carol was one of the first people to ever interview me when I was running for office. Uh, she was at the Talk of Cape. In, at KZIM. KZIM. Yeah, what was that, 960? Uh, I don't remember now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. But it, but it still is KZIM and Kate Gerardo. Zimmer, part of the Zimmer Broadcasting Network. And uh, I just wish you well. Are you going to continue writing? Uh, I am going to continue writing, and I am going to be teaching great. Um, a class at Webster. And um, I'm talking to Harris Stowe. Nice. Yeah, Are you, so you're not going to be like, uh, you know, who was our news director? You're not going to fade into the woodwork, and we're not going to see you anymore. That No, that will not happen. No, you will definitely see Rusty me and Buster. hear me. Yeah, John Butler. <laughs> John yeah, Butler. He's, he's out fishing. Away. Nobody knows where he's at. We he's out fishing somewhere. I will Daniel. be. I am not going anywhere. Well, God bless you, Carol Daniel. Thank and you, Hancock and Kelly. to you. And uh, when we come back, <clears throat> I'm getting a little teary-eyed over here. I know. When we come back, Jim Kasula is going to join us. They're trying to, well, they're not putting AM radios in cars these days, apparently. And Congress might do something about it. And Ken Wilson. Oh, baby, he's going to be with us next hour as well on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, hello there. You're listening to Hancock and Kelly on AM 1120, KMOX, the greatest radio station in the country. Uh, but AM Radio John Hancock could soon be facing its demise, and uh, there are some members of Congress who want to keep that from happening. We go now to our celebrity guest line, where we're joined by Jim Krishula. He is a uh, the CBS reporter out in Washington D.C. Mr. Krishula, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Mike, good to be with you as always. So, uh, a lot of the EV automakers have made the decision, Tesla led the, the charge, uh, in doing away with AM radio in their cars. And now we're starting to see even the big three contemplating that. That's not going over well in Congress, is it? No, I like that, by the way. Tesla led the charge. Uh, no, it's not. You know, and, uh, John and Mike, in an age of, of virtually no bipartisanship in D.C., I think it's very interesting that a bipartisan group of members of Congress, has introduced legislation to prevent automakers from eliminating AM broadcast radio in their vehicles, new vehicles. And Mike mentioned specifically the electric vehicles, Tesla, Ford, Volkswagen, among others, have done away with AM radio. I had a chance to talk to a fellow by the name of Curtis Leggett, did an interview with him, and he is the president of the National Association of Broadcasters. And one of the things he said to me is he feels this issue of doing away with AM radio and vehicles is a security issue, given the fact that radio stations, historic stations like KMOX, have for generations provided emergency information and alerts. 
now these automakers are saying, hey, there are a lot more ways of, of getting that information to people. FM radio, satellite radio, Internet-based radio, cell phones. So that's the rub in terms of where the automakers are coming from and fellas. They also talk about the fact specifically with these electric vehicles that there can be interference, electrical interference from AM radio with these vehicles and vice versa. The vehicles can interfere with the AM radio signal. Yeah, you know, you would think, uh, and I was unaware of that particular problem until just earlier this morning. Michael was kind of educating me about that. Jim Corsula is our guest, CBS News correspondent. Uh, is this is this a problem that uh, is solvable between the car battery and the and AM radio, or is it an intractable situation? Well, you know, John, that, that's, of course, been part of the problem for and the issue for a lot of people for years with AM radio is, is just inherently the interference you get you or can get on an AM radio signal. But then again, you, you look at, say, KMOX's draw nationwide at night. Uh, you know, again, the enormous amount of America that, that, that your signal goes across. So, again, and it's especially, I think, in metro areas where you have, like St. Louis, a, a dominant AM radio station. There are still so many people who listen to you guys and, and who get such vital information from KMOX and these other AM stations and places, you know, big, big, the Chicago, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., New York City, obviously, Boston, Minneapolis, Atlanta, I could go on and on. But the fact that these lineage radio stations have provided such a public service for so long. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. So there's this move in Congress to mandate uh, AM inclusion in cars. Uh, does it have bipartisan support? Is there much of a prospect for something passing, or uh, is this the start of a conversation? Well, you would think that it has somewhat of a chance or a decent chance of passing, if, again, for no other reason. There's been this bipartisan group of lawmakers, Ed Markey of, of Massachusetts, Ted Cruz, an interesting mix of, of lawmakers have come together from both sides of the aisle to say, hey, we need AM radio to exist in, in vehicles. Cruz, of course, from Texas, you've got a couple of very dominant radio stations in Houston, AM stations in Houston and Dallas-Fort Worth, San Antonio, I can think of, Austin, again, a lot of the big cities in Texas. And again, you have a dominant AM radio station in each of those cities. He is Jim Kersula, CBS News correspondent out of D.C. Jim, thanks so much for taking a moment to talk with us. Yeah, always great to be on KMOX. Take no, care. No fellas. doubt about it. Hey, Frank Ladd, our producer here in the morning, you hear him sometimes do traffic, is joining us as well. You know, Frank, I'm a recent convert to 98.7, which is uh, a clear channel. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, you, you called it something specifically that uh, HD television well, or HD. That's signal. not the HD station. We okay. actually do have an HD station as too. 98, 98.7 is a, a lower frequency translator, FM translator here in here in St. Louis that you can pick up Camel X on at any time, obviously. Uh-huh. But we also have an HD2 station, 102.5 HD2. So if you go to 102.5 and on a lot of new car screens, because they all have screens now, right. there's a little number two you can tap on, and then boom, crystal clear clarity, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's the KMOX signal coming in in HD, so mm-hmm. it's stereo so it's and the stereo, whole Stereo, you get, you get your dulcet tones when you sing. Yeah, great. And, and I would be reminisced to not wow. men, mention also the Odyssey app, which is something I'm a new convert on as well. I, I, had a, I avoid anything that normally asks me for my email. You can pass that up. Yes. You don't have to give them your email. And what's so great about going to the Odyssey app and tuning to KMOX is you can go back and if you missed what we were talking about with Jim Cursula, you can go back and listen to it from three minutes ago. You can rewind on the Odyssey app. The other thing that is great about a lot of new cars is that they will automatically connect to your phone. Once you set up the process, you tell it to go to your phone. And that Odyssey app can play straight through your car radio as well if you don't want to deal with hitting an HD2 button, or if you don't want to deal with hitting 98.7, just like you would listen to a podcast, you can either connect it via wire or via Bluetooth to your car from your phone. Is there is there concern in the industry, Frank, about the, the potential demise of AM radio, or is that overblown? I don't know. <laughs> How's that for an answer? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think... 
I, we, we've seen a lot of stations that are AM stations put in an FM trans. There's a lot of nationally known, well-known AM radio stations that also have an FM signal. I think there, I think a lot of people knew back in the 70s when, when FM really took off that some of the, the, the quality, especially for music, there are very few AM music stations anymore, right. that that's kind of the, kind of the, the trend. I'm, I'm a little surprised that it took this long for it to become a, an issue. Yeah, I figured it, they, they would have been. Well, it's just a change in technology, change in like technology. we saw with HD television. Remember, we all had to go get the new antennas, and we're now past that, and we all thought it was the end of the world. So it's one hundred two point five station two mm-hmm. HD two uh, ninety eight point seven. If you're here in the immediate downtown Highway forty corridor, mm-hmm. or the Odyssey app, and of course, we'll always have the signal on the blowtorch of KMOX. And and that's the, the that, that's the key is that we we all know how limited. All FM signals are right. There's a range to them, whereas with that one, that eleven twenty a.m. signal, you can get it in the lower forty eight. Essentially, speaking of blowtorches, we're yeah. going to talk to one here in a minute, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, a man who brought us Cardinal baseball and St. Louis Blues hockey for many a year. You might remember him. He's going to join us next. The great Ken Wilson. Oh, baby! Here comes Shovel Day. He'll be thrown out of the game. Shovel Day. Now Joseph gets into it. and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Here's Ramage for Federko, too far. Federko steals the puck from Reinhardt. Over to Hunter, who shoots block. Wickenheiser scores! Doug Wickenheiser! The Blues pull it off, and it's unbelievable! That was the Monday Night Miracle, yes, Doug Wickenheiser, number 14, putting it in the voice you just heard right there. I'm so honored to have. He is the man who got me into hockey in my youth. He's none other than the legend Ken Wilson. Ken, welcome back to KMOX, and how are you? Guys, I'm doing great, and it's uh, delightful to be here, and I appreciate the attention, believe me. Where, where do we find you these days? Where are you living? That's a good question. I don't even know most of the time. Uh, I have a home in Portland, Oregon, and uh, that's where I've spent a good bit of the time since I was in St. Louis. And uh, my wife and I have uh, our oldest of four children who's married and has two grandchildren for us here in Portland. And that's pretty much the attachment to uh, being in Portland. Yeah, you came to our attention uh, again. And, uh, man, when I when I say... Uh, a hair-raising broadcaster. There's nobody that got excited like Ken Wilson got excited. And, oh, baby, I, to this day, I still blurt out an oh, baby every time something big happens. But you're going to Brisbane, Australia? Yeah, believe it or not. Uh, you know, I love baseball. People, I think, in St. Louis primarily think of me as a hockey announcer. But, you know, I did the Cardinals for a, a number of years uh, on TV, especially with Al Roboski and loved doing the Cardinals, and baseball has always been very prevalent in my life. And Australia has what we in this part of the world would call a winter baseball league, where a lot of pro players go to play in the off season, the winter. And in Australia, of course, that's the summer. Uh, and they have a league there in all the major markets in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and uh, Perth. And I became aware of it. And I really like Australia. I went there with my family about 10 years ago. And then my wife and I went there a couple of months ago and spent three weeks in Brisbane just to see how much we would like it. And we actually we loved Brisbane. It's a terrific uh, progressive city. They're going to have the Olympics in 2032. And I'll be darned, the baseball team was looking for a television announcer. Uh, the connection was made, so I'm going to go spend four months, October through February, in beautiful Brisbane, Australia, as the television voice of the Brisbane Bandits. How's that for a That's twist? so awesome. And, well, you know, there's no that Australia is such a beautiful country, and I've heard that city is incredible. Um, are you worried about uh, the translation of, uh, I don't know, dialect and, you know, other words that, that uh, you've got to learn that Australians use that we Americans maybe don't? They have a lot of funky uh, city names uh, going back to the Aboriginal days, and I'm told that 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 gets a little tricky. But I started my career in Hawaii, and 
uh, believe me, they have some funny names in Hawaii also. So I'm not too worried about it. They can call me the dumb American if they want to in Australia. <laughs> that, you know, that won't bother me. And uh, I, I don't think I'll make fun of their accent. I won't go, what a beautiful die. I won't say things like that. So I'll just say that to my wife well, once in a while. So I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. And, you know, every once in a while you hear Australians on the air here in the United States and uh, to have an American on the air in Australia is, uh, I don't think that'll be that unusual, especially doing baseball, the American game. Well, once they hear your broadcast, they will quickly know you're not just a dumb American. You're a quality, incredible broadcaster. How do you look back at your time here in St. Louis? Was there, a, is it a positive uh, look back? And is there a particular moment or two that you look to and say, boy, that was the quintessential moment of, of my time broadcasting in St. Louis? Well, I really like being in St. Louis. I really enjoyed living there. Uh, you know, and I've, like many broadcasters, I've bounced around here and there, but uh, I, I loved St. Louis. It was really the bulk of my career because I did the uh, the uh, Blues for 20 years. I did the Cardinals, I don't know, six or seven years, and it was prime time for the Cardinals, you know, 84, 85, 86, 87. There were, you know, great, great, great clubs and Whitey and uh, you know, and Ozzy playing shortstop, and Jack Clark, who became a good friend, and you know, it was it, it was a golden era to be involved with the Cardinals, and I I absolutely loved it, and I don't say I was shattered when it ended, but uh, you know, it led to some pretty good times for me working in Los Angeles and San Francisco after that, but uh, I I really liked doing the Cardinals. Uh, it was a tremendous experience. There is no better baseball town, as we all know. Uh, than St. Louis. And then the Blues, of course, uh, you know, we never missed the playoffs, if you don't mind me saying so, in my uh, 20 seasons, and that was pretty exciting. And we had some great players and uh, those good teams, and the fans were very, very good to me. And I, I've never forgotten uh, how good the fans were to me in St. Louis, especially those uh, Blues fans. And I liked living there. You know, I, I get back there every once in a while, and, uh, you know, I go, if I'm there three days, I go three times to Ted Drew's. So, you know, I it's it's, it's in my blood, and uh, I really enjoyed it at the time and still enjoy it when I get the odd trip back there. Well, it's in your blood, and it's in our bloodstream is the voice of Ken Wilson. Man, you've had a fascinating life uh, after you, you were living in Hawaii for a time. I think you had a, did you have a pizza parlor or something? I have uh, I have the itch. Is it is it a Type A personality? I always have to be doing something. Uh, I think they'd say I'm a little bit past my prime, but my mind is still uh, at age 25. So I'm always into wanting to do something, which fits Brisbane, right? Going to Brisbane and being a television baseball announcer fits perfectly with my personality. But since I was in St. Louis, which wow, that was uh, almost 20 years ago. I've lived twice in Hawaii, six years total. Uh, I've uh, traveled to Portugal and Spain with my wife, and we've lived there for a few months. And then we had the recent trip to uh, to, to Brisbane. I did a couple of seasons of Seattle Mariners baseball. I started a baseball franchise here in an old ballpark that we renovated in Portland that is a college summer baseball team and very, very successful, I'm happy to say. And and had a pizza parlor part of the time in Hawaii, uh, so you know I, I I started a women's collegiate softball league a few years ago that didn't work out as well as I would have liked, but I, I'm just one of those kinds of people that can't can't sit, and I just like to I like to produce. I don't necessarily care about making money, but I like to do things I like, and I'd like to do things that uh, that people appreciate and like. So. It, it keeps me busy, and I guess until the day I die, I'll I'll be that way. Well, I think you may have made some fans of the Brisbane Bandits here on The Voice of St. Louis this morning. If you want to hear those tones of Ken Wilson, folks, I'm sure you can find the Brisbane Bandits somewhere out there online. And we wish you nothing but luck and such a pleasure to have you with us today. Ken Wilson, and we're going to go out listening to Ken Wilson call George Brett's 3,000th Base hit. Thanks, Ken. He is 18th on the all-time hit list. Tim Fortuno's pitch ripped on one hop off Overfeld into right field. Brett around first. He is safe, and the teammates feel it's a hit. And that is number 3,000. The fireworks go off.
towards Brett with a four for four night in Southern California has his 3,000th hit. He ties Roberto Clemente for 17th on the all-time list. Find out what's happening with your Redbirds from the manager himself, Oliver Marmol. Sunday mornings at 10.15 on Sports on a Sunday morning. And Wednesday mornings at 9.50. The Ollie Marmol Show on Cardinals Radio, KMOX. The rookie Ronick, Oates wins the draw. Paul Cavallini clears it around the boards to center ice. McLean gets it. Yanni tries to take him out and does. Loose puck in the corner, and Ronick back for it. Plays it around the near side. Gino Cavallini intercepts. Gino in the corner behind the net to Oates. In front for McLean. He fans. Jeff Brown a shot. Kicked out by Millen. Gino Cavallini scores! Gino Cavallini! Nine seconds to go on a rebound, and the Blues lead it That was so cool getting to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. And and that particular clip, I mean, was there is there in my lifetime the games that I remember the most, yeah. even more than obviously game six is a special thing, were those games between the Blackhawks and the Blues. Oh, I yeah. mean, they were guaranteed to be great games. And guaranteed that Kevin Slayton would get in the fight in the parking lot. <laughs> but it was cool to visit with Ken Wilson. We miss we wish him the best of luck down in Brisbane. Uh, good for him that he's still doing it. What an interesting guy that he's still, you know, said, I'm no longer going to want to buy money. I want to do the things I like. Yeah. Well, Got into a pizza parlor. He's doing it, man. That's uh, that's great, you know, great example for all of us. John, the president of the United States right now is at the G7 Summit. Uh, we'll be uh, in Japan. Uh, I think it's in Japan. Uh, was supposed to be making some other stops uh, over in the Pacific. It's not going to happen because he's got to come back. But the breaking news, the Americans doubling down again with Ukraine, saying we'll help train these F-16 pilots. That's got to be positive for the G-7 uh, partners who are already participating in Ukraine to hear that. At the same time, they've got to have in the back of their mind that we've got an election in a year and a half, and it potentially could be going back to Donald Trump who's expressed, hey, this isn't uh, something I'm interested in. Well, it's really interesting because Ukraine has been asking for fighter jets uh, since the very beginning of this thing, and the United States had been reluctant to provide them. And I think the the rationale for that was that we, you know, wanted to support them, but, you know, and supplying them with that kind of offensive weaponry, it was something that the United States was not willing to do. Well, clearly they're willing to do it now. And providing these F-16s could be a game changer in that war. You know, we're still waiting on this uh, Ukrainian offensive to take place. Uh, but Russia has made, they're stalled. And, uh, you know, if Ukraine kicks Russia out of its territory, and it may take some time, uh, and there's got to be some way for Vladimir Putin to save face, I suppose. But if they effectively kick Russia out of Ukraine, it will it will send a massive message. And Great Britain just in, imposed well, new sanctions on Russia today. Yeah, but and look, and this is positive. Uh, I know you and I both are supportive of the Ukraine, the Ukrainians. I but think I it's mean, we in the middle of this G seven summit. You know, a lot of our partners were a little disgusted with us as it related to our willingness during the Trump administration to walk away from NATO. You have the president of the United States coming to the table with more. At the same time, it has to be in the back of their mind that, goodness, an election could change this all over and we could have the rug pulled out beneath us. Yeah, and, you know, the future of NATO is very much, well, is potentially on the ballot in November of 24 if, in fact, it's a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And, you know, Trump has not said that he wants to pull out of NATO, but he has mused about it during his first term in office and... You know, the NATO alliance, I think you can make the case, is more important now than it's ever been. And it's been profoundly effective at keeping the European theater free from warfare until now. And you've got this invading Russian army, and they invaded back in 2014 when they went into Crimea, uh, which was Ukrainian territory, and they seized it. And I think the Russians believed that they were going to do the same thing in the entirety of Ukraine. I think they thought. I think Putin thought and the generals thought that they were in this thing for a couple of three weeks and the Ukrainian government would fold and Russia would take over. Well, that clearly didn't happen. And now uh, I think if the betting odds would be on the side of Ukraine. How great is that? And it's just a shame that we're going through this as a world. 
Uh, hopefully this will get resolved soon and we can find some way to bring peace back to Europe. Uh, and I don't know how that's going to exist with Vladimir Putin, period. Yeah, it, something – Henry Kissinger, who is still alive. Yeah, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he made the point that, uh, you know, that it would be in the United States' best interests uh, that we need to beat Russia here, but to normalize relations with Putin, which I thought was very interesting coming from Henry Kissinger. And um, kind of a thought-provoking piece he wrote in one of the foreign policy publications – and, you know, there's a guy who's he's got to be in his 90s. I mean, he was a secretary of state for Richard Nixon. Exactly. Uh, but he's still very relevant in the world of foreign policy. Well, we can't uh, uh, move on from our politics subject without talking about the presidential race that's coming up in 2024. Joe Biden has announced his reelection. It appears as though that he's going to have Kamala Harris. All the focus seems to be on what's happening in the Republican Party. Donald Trump continues to dominate in the polls. Yeah. Yesterday, we got word that Ron DeSantis is going to hop into this race, but his nemesis in Florida, Disney, uh, embarrassed him and put some egg on his face right in the middle of uh, the leaked announcement that he was going to run for president. Yeah, they had a billion-dollar investment for office uh, facilities there uh, in Orlando, and they've walked away from it. Now, They when they when they walked away from it and announced it yesterday, they referenced their ongoing squabbles with Ron DeSantis. But a lot of uh, market observers think that they weren't weren't planning to go through with that anyway. The newer CEO has come back. The old CEO has come back. It was not particularly bullish on that project to begin with. But it's not helpful necessarily for Ron DeSantis. Now, I think a lot of Republican voters like the fact that he's taking it to a woke corporation like that and, and fighting. Uh, and just, just the fight itself uh, has some voter appeal, I suppose. But... Uh, you know, man, taking on well, Disney's uh, well, and, interesting and, politics. And I get the political calculation of, look, we're going to be running against Donald Trump. We need to show that we're strong on some of the stuff that he's been strong on, the woke stuff being the lead. But in this instance, you know, most traditional Republicans who maybe are disgusted or just not going to participate in this whole Trump movement really did appreciate a lot of the Trump policies, particularly as it related to being pro-business. Yeah. You can't look at uh, uh, the the legislative session that Ron DeSantis has just had and say this is a guy who wants less government and less interference with business. And, in fact, he's uh, he's acting a lot like you would say that Democrats have acted in the past. You know, it's really interesting, um, the direction where both parties are heading right now. You've got the Democrats moving increasingly left uh, and socialistic. You've got the Republicans moving increasingly right and authoritarian in some respects. What they have in common, uh, these new movements within both parties, is a much bigger, intrusive, invasive government. And there there aren't many voices out there running for office right now that are advocating for less government, smaller government, uh, leaner government. And uh, I think that's regrettable because I think that actually – that's that was Ronald Reaganism for me is uh, – you know, it's a, it's a voice that needs to be heard. Our own Congressman Cory Bush proposed a piece of legislation this week. I'm oh going to probably get it wrong, the amount of money, but I it's essentially $14 trillion, trillion. for reparations. Now, as I have said to you in the past, at least this discussion is happening in the proper location. This is a federal government issue. It, 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 it does not make sense to me when we hear about San Francisco and our own St. Louis worried about reparations. Uh, not that it's not a, a worthy conversation. It's just that these people have proven on a daily basis they can't do their job. Now they want to take on trying to fix uh, some of the social ills of the country. Well, Cory Bush has proposed a piece of legislation, $14 trillion as it relates to reparations. Ridiculous. And much like uh, Governor DeSantis's actions against Disney, this is one of those areas that even, you know, some mainstream Democrats don't align with. And it kind of proves the point that you're talking about, that the extremes of these parties are going to a place that even their own folks may not be with. You know, one of the things, I mean, this is a ridiculously bad idea, but let's let's just pretend for a minute that we're going to enact a $14 trillion reparations program. I think if we didn't learn the lesson through COVID, we should have, and that is when the government prints money and hands it out and infl- and 
drives all kinds of demand out in the economy, inflation ensues. And the government should not be the driving force of our economy. And if you injected an additional $14 trillion into the economy over however many years uh, it's going to be, it's going to be inflationary. It means the spending dollar that everybody else has is going to spend for less. It's an effective tax increase on everybody when the government pumps money into the economy like that. And I hope we've learned that lesson from COVID that that's not good uh, fiscal policy. But you can appreciate that people who do believe that this is an injustice and want to see it righted, and I think a lot of us uh, fall into that um, particular realm, they sit and watch. We didn't hear these discussions when we bail out the auto industries and the bank, that what we're doing here is inflationary ultimately. And so a lot of people who've been sitting on the short stick for decades upon decades Say, hey, wait a minute! How it's it's our turn. It's our turn for the government to help us, and so it's really a problem that both parties run into. Now, big business always seems to win out, but you can understand why folks at the bottom, the lower end of the scale, would be open to these types of ideas because they've watched it happen for Chrysler, Ford, J.P. Morgan, you name it. Well, not to the tune of fourteen trillion dollars. Uh... But we've got to step aside, Michael. We're going to come back and talk Cardinal baseball, buddy. We had such an incredible night last night. That game was amazing. And, and, you know, this is like the perfect time to be watching sports, too, John. Uh, you got hockey playoffs. You've yeah. got NBA playoffs. You've got our Cardinals. And let's not forget the Kansas City soccer team is coming to St. Louis this week. This weekend, we're starting a new rivalry. All of that and more on the last segment of Hancock and Kelly on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. 32 for 37 in total. First pitch is hit high in the air. Deep center field. Backing up to the track is Outman. And it's up in the freeze landing. A home run for Wilson Contreras. His fourth as a Cardinal. A big fly to straightaway center field. And the Cardinals take a 3-2 lead. That was awesome last night. It's good to see him just getting hot. I, did you see his curtain call that he had? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, hollering at the fans after his second home run of that game. I, and I will be honest. I started watching that game last night. I was not optimistic. Um, you know, Urias, the Dodger pitcher, has been tough on us. He's a left-hander and a good one. And Adam Wainwright, this was his only his third start of the year since coming off of the groin injury that he suffered during the World Baseball Classic. And I, you know, Wainwright's velocity is not what it once was. And he, gives, he gave up two runs in the first inning. And I'm thinking, yeah, probably going to probably gonna turn this thing off before long. Well, then, then comes the Adam settles down. He gets through the second inning and the third inning. And the Cardinals erupt. In the third inning, four home runs in the third inning, Michael. Right. I've never seen anything like that. Back to like back it. to back. Back to back to back. Yeah, after, yeah, a home run and out, a home run, a home run, a home run. It was really something. Yeah, the Cardinals, uh, you know, as down as we were just a couple of weeks ago. And I have to tell you, I was in that camp. I thought, well, oh, goodness, this is it. Lost, this is be lost, a lost year. Season. Mm-hmm. Uh, is as up as I am right now. And maybe, maybe when you're losing, you feel even worse than you should. And maybe when I'm winning, I feel better than I should. But I'm thinking, hey, let's sweep these Dodgers. <laughs> and guess what? That that first month of nonsense is all behind us. Well, it is behind us at this point. But the consequences of it are still quite real. The Cardinals are, what are we, seven games under 500, I think, at this point. Uh, but we're only six games out of first. Why is that? Well, we're in the worst division in baseball, the National League Central. Uh, if the Cardinals were in any other division... Uh, well, maybe the American League Central, they're pretty bad too. But if the Cardinals were in either the Eastern or Western uh, divisions in the National League, they would be considerably further out of first place than they are against the Milwaukee Brewers here. And, you know, it's not difficult to imagine that within a month or so, the Cardinals could be, uh, you know, knocking at the door, if not in first place, if they continue playing at this clip. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, downtown St. Louis is going to be humming this weekend, John. Uh, We've got the Kansas City team that we're playing as well for St. Louis City. Yeah, that's the uh, soccer team we got out there. Yeah, uh, Kansas City, are they any good? I don't they know. were in the past. They're they're horrible this year. They've got the oh. worst record in um, 
uh, I think in ML. Listen right to now. this guy over here talking about the Kansas yeah, City. What's the name of that, that team? Over uh, there? I don't know. Idea. It's uh, Sporting KC is what I believe. Sporting it's KC. And then, <laughs> yeah, did you watch any of the basketball games? Of course, you got the Celtics, Celtics and the Lakers, and the Jason finals. Tatum. Our own Jason Tatum, of course, the greatest player living today. Uh, that that that's not currently playing because Michael Jordan, of course, is the greatest of all time. Yeah. LeBron James, he went down in defeat last night against the LeBron Denver Nuggets. is uh, starting to show his age a little bit. I well, think. how could you not? I mean, but it, look, it's early. Uh, that was two games in Denver. They were they won. They probably should have won last night. They go back to L.A. We all know what happens there when the movie stars show up. Uh, and Boston is playing a really good team in Miami, not to mention the hockey teams that are still in it. And, you know, none of the hockey teams – have a big marquee superstar right. on them. These are teams that grunted their way through the season and now look like one of them is going to grunt their way into the uh, Stanley Cup. Oh, I couldn't stay up for it last night because we had to do this this morning. But that uh, Florida Panther-Carolina Hurricanes game went into four overtimes. Right. And uh, there's, you know, I love sports. I love baseball. My heart, my passion is with baseball. But there is nothing like playoff hockey. Well, I mean, it's just the intensity, the drama uh, the emotion, there's just nothing like it. This this may get me in trouble, but uh, a couple of years ago when we were on our magical uh, Stanley Cup run, one of my best friends is from Dallas, and a buddy of ours, Mark, uh, his brother, yeah. my, my friend's mm-hmm. buddy, Mark came up and went to the game that Ben Bishop literally stood on his head, stopped 60 shots, and they lost in triple overtime to us. Yeah. And he said to us, yeah, and I was looking at Mark that it was a hard moment for him. Right. But he was in it there in St. Louis. And he said, I am with you guys the rest of the way. Wow. And so I have been since we got eliminated with the Dallas Stars. I've been watching the games. We've all been texting. And it's so much fun, even though it's not my team and it's a team that I would normally be spitting on. Right. You know, it's fun to be involved and caught up in it and see people's spirits and emotions get wrapped up into it. And in hockey, there's just that adrenaline that doesn't exist in other sports. Yeah, and it doesn't exist in the regular season in hockey either. It's such a long season, 80, what do they play, 81 yeah. games or so. And um, But the playoffs, man, in hockey, there's just the intensity level, uh, what's on the line. And and if you get to the Stanley Cup final, that's uh, that's your fourth series. You're so beaten up. I remember Ryan O'Reilly playing with those broken ribs in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Boston Bruins, and you know hockey players are just a different—they're just a different breed of cat, man. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I can't wait for hockey to start back up, but it's awesome that we have baseball headed in the right direction in St. Louis. Let's hope we don't jinx it and we keep it going. Of course, you're going to have Cardinal baseball against the L.A. Dodgers all week long right here on KMOX. Hancock and Kelly are going to stick around for the next hour of the show with Chris Ranji and Amy Marks, course. And don't forget, on Sunday mornings, we do Hancock and Kelly, the television show at 8.30 on Fox 2. Yeah, and you don't even have to put the picture on if you don't want to. You just listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people prefer it. Hey, we way. had a great day today visiting with Carol Daniel and Ken, Ken Wilson. Wilson. man. That was, uh, that was really cool. The voice is the same with Ken Wilson. He's going to be doing the Brisbane Bandits down in Australia. What a fascinating life that guy has lived. And, yeah, Carol Daniel, or next week, is coming up next week on KMOX. And the show begins after the news on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX.